Welcome to the Western North London podcast, where we sit down each and every week to answer your big Arsenal questions. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Tim, I have one question for you this week. And it's, are you Lampard in or Lampard out? <laughs> you know, I am so Lampard in right now. It's not <laughs> What do you think his odds are? I, I, I feel like the revolving door is going to catch up to him eventually. I think, I mean, it's, it's weird. I know this is an Arsenal podcast, but like, <laughs> the fact that he had one year of coaching experience at Derby and had like, you know, a pretty good year. And that is his only coaching experience. And then he goes to Chelsea. Like, it's a hard one. I mean, not to say that Arteta's had much more coaching experience. Zero. So zero. <laughs> I mean, he has zero head coaching experience. So I, it's hard to throw, throw stones from our glass house. Yeah. I mean, and I, I just, you would think that hope, I mean, not hopefully. I, I hope they stay with him because I don't actually think he's going to be that great of a manager. Uh, but you would think that Chelsea would be more long-sighted and especially in this environment right now, where, I mean, like, as we said, when we were talking about Arteta, there's not a lot of great coaching prospects out there. I mean, Pochettino just got picked up by uh, Madrid or not Madrid, uh, Paris Saint-Germain. So like, I don't know if there's a lot of good coaches out there for uh, Chelsea to pick up anyway. So I don't know. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of wonder if, like, if we were in a similar situation where we had dropped, uh, you know, two hundred million on uh, on income on on new signings, excuse me, and uh, you know, I wonder if Arteta would have been in even more of a hot seat. Um, I think that's really the thing that's working against Lampard right now is that he's got so much talent um, to work with and is still coming up with lackluster results. Well, I mean, the thing about it is that he he's in a no-win situation and like players you often take time to to bet in so i'm not i don't know like that it's going to be next year where you really see the results of these 200 million coming in like i i do think tino timo werner is a good player and should bet in if he's not given the time and i don't know i think it's also they just played against man city who on their day is one of the best teams in the world so it's not like you can take too much out of it Right. Yeah, I think the next coach will get all the credit when things turn around. <laughs> so you're you're on you're on the fence of he's going out. I think so. I, it's just Chelsea's mo. Like there's just it's a you have a win everything or get out. You know. <laughs> I, <laughs> you I don't know? I don't understand why that is. I get it. They seem to get a, a coach a coaching bump and they ride that as long as they can, and then it's it's on to the next one. I. Uh, will not mind them going through a bunch of coaches and having not so much success. I, I, I feel I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm all for whichever gives them the least amount of success. <laughs> That's where I stand. Agreed. All right. So after that detour, let's, let's get back on the rails. Um, how are, are you doing? Okay. Otherwise, I mean, let's not get distracted too much. <laughs> Doing all right. Haven't left the house since basically Christmas, so getting a little stir crazy. But luckily, there was a, a lot of games to watch, so I watched a lot of soccer. How about you? Yeah, doing all right. I got out of the house today, and I would rather have stayed home. So <laughs> <laughs> the, world, the world's weird, so I'd rather just stay inside. Yeah, it's predictable at least. And yes, soccer. yes. Uh, so, w- 
you know, I think everybody's got a drink in hand tonight watching the uh, election results come in, at least here in the U.S. Um, so what what drink are you reaching for tonight? Well, I you know, if it, I got this earlier in the week and I actually saved this for the podcast because I, I enjoyed it so much. It's uh, from Bale Breaker, which is a, a brewery we've talked about before. And it's their uh, breakfast stout called Dormancy. Or Dormancy. Yeah. And it's really good. It's a, you know, for me, this is the time of year of dark beers. It's dark outside and cold and windy here in uh, Bellingham. So yeah, it seemed to fit the mood, fit the weather. I recommend it. How about you? Um, I got one of my Christmas presents was a case of, uh, Ninkasi IPAs of the, um, the, the, the tester variety. So I got a few different ones, but, uh, the I'm just going with the classic total domination IPA tonight, which I haven't even opened yet. But I, I have not found a Nikasi that I dislike, and actually, there's one in there that's a a juicy version of this total domination, which I think is probably the best juicy variety that I've had. I think it's such a good combo of their regular IPA with a little um, fruitier side to it, but. Usually I, I don't like all those. I like a stronger tasting beer, but that one kind of strikes the balance really well. So their regular IPA that I'm drinking, it's awesome. Make the juicy variety is awesome. Their double IPA in that case is also great. And I think there's another um, prismatic juicy IPA or yeah, I think that's the other one that's in there. All of them are good. So I would get this, get this again and you can't really go wrong. Ninkasi is straight up one of my favorite breweries. I love them despite being from Portland. And uh, I love uh, Total Domination is one of my favorite. And also their uh, their Christmas or Winter Slayer. I love mm-hmm. that beer. That beer is so good. So I haven't really tapped into the winter beers yet. So I think I need to go pick something up. I, I usually like um, uh, the Pyramid Snowcap is pretty good. Um the Elysian, is it Bifrost? I yes. think that's their winter. Bifrost, yeah, that yeah. one's pretty good. Um, yeah, the Slayer from the Kossi is really good too. So there's there's some good winter beers out there. I got to go pick something up before they go away. Yeah, one of my uh, sleeper picks is, a. Uh, it's not Alaskan Brewing. It might be Alaskan Brewing. It's uh, the uh, their winter brewery, which has uh, spruce tips. It is Alaskan Brewing Company, and it's their spruce tip uh, winter beer that's Absolutely amazing. Love that beer. Well, now I'm like sad about what I have in my hand because I want a winter beer, <laughs> even though this is good. <laughs> there's there's plenty of beers to be drunk, my friend. Yes, I will. I will get around to that. Um, okay. So, do you have a question for me this year or this year? <laughs> <laughs> I saw the word year as I said that, so it threw me off. All right. Do you have a question for me right now? <laughs> I do. This year is going to be the first question of the year, I believe. Yeah. Yes. yes. It is a question this year. Um, so as it is the new year and we're all making our resolutions, totally made a resolution myself. Uh, I feel like I was wondering, what do you feel like Arsenal's New Year's resolution should be for this year? Um. Stop signing players over the age of 30. <laughs> just straight up. <laughs> just don't do it. And, and like, I think that, that, A, don't go out and sign new players that are close to 30. 
unless they're and, and don't put them on contracts that take them beyond 30. And certainly like when it comes down to like Lacazette and he's getting close to that age and he's gonna gonna run it, you know, he's in the last year of his contract or he's going to be in the last year of his contract after this season. Don't go re-sign him for longer than a year if you re- need to re-sign him at all. Like, just go back to that that rule for Arsenal, and we'll all be better off. You know, I love that because I mean that was the old Arsene Wenger way of doing business. He, he famously refused to sign players after thirty, or gave only one year contracts after thirty. And you know, Dennis Burkamp, my favorite player of all time, he signed a string of one-year contracts after he turned 30 until he retired, which I, it's just a smart, you, you will lose players. I mean, I believe that's why we lost Thierry Henry was because we refused to give him a, a, a long contract after he turned 30. And I don't think we were proved wrong in pretty much any case when doing that, or the cases that we were proved wrong, I don't think outweigh the cases where we were proved right. Yeah, I think it's just, it's smart business and it leaves money on the table to go get younger. Like just stop putting money into these these players that are not going to get you money back. Like w- ever since the Emirates was built, that should be the, like Arson had to work with some level of austerity because of the money that was going into the, the new stadium. And it was like the the things that he had to go through once they finally came out on the other side. Um, some of those principles should probably have stuck around. <laughs> like, just stick to a, a, a set of rules that keep you from making horrible business decisions. <laughs> and it just it just points to the um, I want to say the naivety of the ownership in that they just don't really understand how to run this as a as a good business like you they took for granted that that champions league would be there to paper over the cracks because really that's what it does is give you this slush fund that allows you to kind of make poor business decisions and when that went away all you're left with is these bad business decisions and they're very um obvious like and and to continue to try to make those decisions to try to dig your way out of the hole that you've created and try to get yourself back into the champions league it's really frustrating to continue to watch that happen and i hope we have every window i hope we've turned the corner um but you know it was only this last window that we signed william and it's just like that's what we have to get away from i'd rather i say say it frequently on this podcast I'd rather take a risk on a young player than a risk on an old player. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think I have anything more to add to that. That's 100% how I feel. So that's the resolution. Let's hope Arsenal listens to our podcast and takes us up on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're back with another win. I mean, who would have thought we've got more exciting, fun times to talk about. I, I wouldn't have believed it if you would have asked me even a couple weeks ago that we'd be three wins in a row. No, I mean, I think we were uh, talking about it when we were previewing. We were hoping to get maybe four points out of these three games. I think that was our uh, <laughs> our high-end estimation of it. And uh, to come out with all 
those wins was is definitely a, a feel good moment at this point. Yeah, I think um you know, one one's a fluke in some ways because I don't think you expect to beat Chelsea. Um two, yeah, you might be able to ride the the high of beating Chelsea and take that into the next game. But three wins. Now that's that's that might be something you can build on. You know, I think that's that's something more real at that point. Yeah, and it's, and we we were saying that these are the games that we really really need to win right now. We have uh, we had uh, both the Brighton and the uh, West Brom game, and coming up we have uh, Palace and Newcastle in the league. And these are games that we do need to start putting some real points in. And the night the nice thing the the pleasant thing is that we are, but more than the points, I think. This last game against West Brom, how good did it feel? It, it felt like watching Arsenal of many, many years ago. It was, I actually enjoyed watching a game, which I cannot remember the last game that I just sat down and was like, this is fun. Yeah, I think that was it. It's just um, the joy is back and the, the anticipation. Like, I, I, I'm dying for the next game. I'm just, mm-hmm. I just want more. I want to see it. Um, I wish we were at like a two two game a week cadence right now because I just want to see as much as I possibly can. But I think <laughs> um, in terms of injuries and fatigue and all that, it's probably better we have the <laughs> schedule that we do. But uh, you know, it, it's I I do think that um, we could d- just the more they can play and the more they can build a rhythm on this, the, the I think they're gonna continue to develop this um this lineup the strategies the things that seem to be working i I think they just have to continue to build the belief around that and the more they can continue to have confidence when they play um it's just it's such a night and day difference yeah, and you mentioned what's working. So, like, what, what do you think is working in these last three games? What do you uh, <laughs> think is uh, the the difference? Well, I think we we we've talked about how um, you know having originally having Martinelli and and Neil Smith Rowe and Saka in that band of three it was huge huge change and a huge difference. And um, we didn't see Martinelli in this game, and uh, that turned out to be just fine. And I think it it speaks to the quality of Saka and um, Emil Smith Rowe that they were able to still be effective. Um, even uh, Aubameyang didn't. He he was he was in the game. He he looked better, but he wasn't at his best. So I think like um, it wasn't like Aubameyang had to come in and pick up the slack where Martinelli left. It seemed like. They were more threatening from other areas of the field. Um, but the things that are working, I, I I think whatever Arteta has changed as far as allowing players a little more freedom, and, and maybe that comes back to like what Emile Smith-Rowe brings in his role. Um, I think that has changed the dynamic in on the field and how they inter, interplay with each other um and it's it does seem like having um 
somebody in that position that can move the ball, that can make runs, is allowing the people around um, around him to flourish a bit more. I, I think Tierney has looked more dangerous. I think Lacazette has looked more comfortable. I think Saka has just locked down that right side and made uh, Bellerin look better. So it's kind of been um, a little bit of a domino effect as far as bringing in somebody to play that that role in that in that slot that actually has some talent and skill and uh, tenacity to to move the ball quickly and and that's it's just another level that Arsenal has that they've been able to reach just because these players have shown that it's possible. And um, I think they can do even better. I, I don't even think this is the best yet. And, and I'm excited to see what's next because I think they're, this is just the beginning. Yeah. And I think I, I don't know if an apology is the right word, but like adopt my cap to you about Lacazette. Cause you've been saying for uh, weeks and weeks now that it isn't necessarily Lacazette's fault. That is a, his uh, production has gone down, that it has been the players around him that have uh, not necessarily shown him in the, the best light. And I think you see with Emile Smith Rowe, at least someone that can help make Lacazette shine. And I, as I say, I'm just, I doff my cap to you uh, pointing that out. Yeah, and I don't even think it's the one one player, but I think like um, just the free flowing um, way that they've played, especially in this game, uh, it seemed to have benefit Lacazette. I think he allowed the game to develop around him, and he got into positions where he can be threatening, and it. it he was getting dangerous crosses, getting dangerous balls into the spaces where he can be his best. And it, it he's not a bad player when you set him up to be the most successful player that he can be. And I think that they've found a way to unlock his, his skill set a bit more and get back to what he's good at. I mean, you look at that... Uh, is it the the third goal or what I'm trying to remember what the third the one that he just kind of um now I can't remember if it was the third or the fourth. Um where the ball just kind of landed at his feet basically when the it pinged off the um the post and then kind of rattled around in the box a little bit and then all of a sudden he's scoring a goal. And then even the uh cross that came in from Tierney and he was able to put that in those those two goals he was like in the same spot essentially mm-hmm. and it's the same spot he's always been in but the balls weren't getting there and like the balls that were getting to that position were these crosses that don't benefit his style of play so i think when you yeah. look at what what he's good at you look at the type of um offense we were trying to generate when when Arteta was really talking about all the crosses that were coming in and how great that was I think we were both saying like that doesn't make sense because you've got Lacazette you've got Aubameyang who don't score those types of goals and now the switch is flipped and we're getting balls at feet we're getting balls into that space right in front of goal well that's that's bread and butter for Lacazette so I think that that's been the big change for him 
Yeah, and and you're, you're talking about those uh, the spaces and the way the uh, ball is being played, and that's the, the second goal. I think was, I don't know, like it just felt like rewinding ten years in time seeing that goal. It was, it was straight out of Wenger era soccer. The 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 touches, and it was really a play that was made by the youth players. It was Saka and uh, Emil Smith Rowe, but it was also Lacazette was involved in that play as well. And it's just nice to see the team really kind of playing that type of soccer as opposed to uh, the type that we'd been used to for the last several months of just going down the wings and crossing it. Yeah, I think you have to, um, I think a lot of credit will be given to Saka and um, Emil Smith-Rowe for that second goal. But when you look at what Lacazette was able to do, uh, it was just a simple pass, but it's that kind of... um, I, I always used to call call Giroud the post because you just kind of kick the ball hard at him and he'd redirect it one way or the other. And that was exactly what Lacazette was able to do is just be that hold-up player that was just able to redirect into the path of Emil Smith-Rowe. And that was just just that connecting pass that was needed to make that play work. And I think that even when he wasn't scoring, he's been very consistent at being that sort of pivot player where you can just, you know, he, he holds the ball up well, he redirects the ball well. He's not going to be, um, you know, a number 10 sort of creative player, even though he's played in that position sometimes. That's not his um, his skill set, but he can, he's, he's not a bad passer. He's just got to, be in the right position and you know the player's movement around him makes a huge difference in how he's gonna um function and i think when he was kind of isolated it didn't suit him he needs people around him that he can pass off pass to in a short range like he's just not going to set up from medium to long distance he's he's a close range passer so when he's got players like Saka and emil smith Rowe kind of swarming around him all of a sudden he looks like a genius but it, that was there all along. It just, we weren't using it properly before. Yeah, totally. And kind of moving from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball. What do you think about the uh, holding Marie pairing that has uh, gone for the uh, last uh, few games and seemed pretty solid, at least in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I I think there's been talk of, um, Gabriel having a little bit of a challenge coming back into the starting lineup because Marie's been so solid. Um, I don't know if it's quite that uh, black and white. I think that, you know, Gabriel's probably our, our true starter and we'll, we'll slot back in very easily just because he's, um, I think he's got a, a talent level that's a bit, uh, higher than what Marie has, but when it comes to the drop off, like I think that's always the concern when you have a a clear starter and a, a a backup is that when that starter goes out for whatever it may be, whether it's COVID or red cards or whatever, it's um, you don't want to have a significant drop in talent to whoever comes and and fills in. And before, you know, we had players like Mustafi or. Socrates or you know whoever was available as a, as the backups um whether you know Louise all these guys come with kind of asterisks next to their name like they can be good at their best day but um 
the average is probably below what you want and 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 they can blow up a game very easily with a couple bad plays or slow play and it's nice now to have a player like Marie who doesn't bring a lot of that baggage like he he has made mistakes he's given up a penalty recently luckily that was saved and bailed him out but um based on his overall performances in the last 3 games i I don't see those sorts of risks that I associate with a Mustafi or a Louise playing at center back, which is, it's just nice. It's nice to have um, someone in the rotation like that, that isn't going to be a, a liability. Yeah. And it, it is nice because the games are coming fast and heavy. And I think we're going to need to rely on a, a lot of rotation is always a loaded term that I don't think I want to use, but at least some, uh, different players coming in to give other players rest. And, you know, between holding Marie and Gabriel, I feel like we have a platoon of central defenders that we can all just kind of rotate through and feel fairly confident. And, you know, you say without baggage, and I think that's a hundred percent the, the best terminology. Every time you see Louise, he's great when he's great and he's not when he's not where I, I don't feel like you have that variation with any of those three. Yeah, I think the thing, and I think this was what kept William playing as long as he did, is that there's this fear from Arteta about the, you know, the the types of players that he has at, at at his disposal. You've got these guys that can bring you the highest of highs, but they can also bring you the lowest of lows, and that variation is 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 a huge risk. You know, I, I understand that it, you can only have so many of those players on the field at any given time without risk of having games just completely fall apart you know it's this too much risk on one on one lineup um so william gets probably more playing time than he deserves in reality because he isn't that high high or low low he's very middle of the road um so i think having a guy like marie who's middle of the road but very solid and and um it it just brings a different dimension to that back line that louise again i i I like what he can bring when he's at his best but i you know you, you know you're taking risks in some of these situations um and i think that's something we can move away from going forward we got to get away from these sorts of players um that yeah, the baggage players. I, I think that's what we got to steer away from. <laughs> I'm going to use that term quite a bit. The baggage players. Like <laughs> but yeah, I, I I'm excited about having a, another solid option, and I think that his signing um, looks justified now. You know that he's gotten some more game time. It, it seems like he's um, somebody that we should feel glad to have around for yeah, a, at least a couple more seasons. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, at this point, feel better that, than a lot of the other <laughs> options we have, such as a uh, as a Luis. Yeah, and I, I think um, it's a little bit tougher to gauge who the backup to holding is currently. I guess it's Luis. I'm not really sure. Um, but 
yeah, center back has been such a tough position for us over the last few seasons. And it, you know, between those, the three, between Marie and Gabrielle and Holding, seems like we're building a core that can um, be solid for us and allow the players around them to flourish and not distract from that. Um, I, you know, I don't know how Saliba is going to fit into that long term. We just, well, we'll we'll jump ahead here for a second since we're talking about him. You know, he's he's just gotten loaned out to um, Nice in the Ligue 1. So he's gone again. And it's a little bit of a weird situation. But the thing that Adu pointed out was that this kid is 19. So let's not all get get crazy let's not get our panties in a bunch about about him going out on loan it's not the end of the world because right now we've got a couple good you know we've got three good players who are who are filling in those two slots pretty competently like where would he get game time at this point yeah i mean i don't know if we want to go down that that road right now but uh yeah i'm not i'm not too worried about saliba going because he hasn't really featured in our first team at all so it's kind of a <laughs> a movement of like okay other than we you know 27 million put into him uh but i, I think it is good that he goes off because he needs game time and if he's not getting it here he needs to go somewhere else i think it's a little <sighs> annoying and i would, if i were a uh, saint Etienne fan i'd be a little bit pissed off because <laughs> we go buy him don't let him play in the uh, cup final and then loan him to a, uh, a league rival. <laughs> I would feel a little hard done by yeah. St. Etienne and those types of deals do tend to haunt you in the, in the next time we try and buy a St. Etienne player. But, uh, you know, he's been going through a lot. I mean, I, I just read and I had no idea about this. I just, you know, both of his parents have passed away fairly recently, which also definitely affects your headspace and where you are as a person, especially at 19, which is very young to have that happen. Yeah. I, I, I want to give him time. I, I don't want to panic over that one. That's, um, that's one for the future. I, I get, if he's got a ton of talent, let's, let's lock him up and, and keep him under the arsenal umbrella, whether that's, you know, here or abroad, just get him the game time that he needs. So when one of these players moves on, we've got, We've got him waiting in the wings. Like that's an, to me, that's an ideal situation um, where he's getting, you know, top level experience rather than playing with the U twenty threes or something. I think he's above that level, but maybe not quite where we need him to be for you know when you're comparing to what we have currently available. Yeah. Anyway, that's kind of a. a neither here nor there because the team we do have is looking pretty solid. And I think, you know, talking about what's changed, what's worked well, I think both uh, Tierney and Bellerin have benefited from having a solid pairing in the back and having um, players in front of them like Sokka and Emil Smith-Rowe that they can play off of. And uh, man, that Tierney goal, good Lord. Where has that I, been? I, I, let, let's take the, the the chains off of that guy and let him run as much as he wants into the box. I love that goal. And 
in watching that game, I was already excited because we just looked good even before we scored. It was one of those games that I just felt good. And I even wrote in uh, my notes that I take during the games that I I was just enjoying watching Arsenal play, even if we had, won't, wouldn't score a goal. But to see that tyranny goal, oh. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head that it, he he's able to do that because he feels defensively protected by those two uh, center backs there so he can make those types of runs. And he just, I mean, he beat that uh, <laughs> West Brom player so badly twice. It was, uh, and the fu- the final shot on that, it, it's, it's hard to say whether that goal or the second goal are my favorite goals of the night, but I lean towards that goal as being my favorite goal of the night. I mean, both of those goals just they add to the dimensions that this team needs to aspire to. I think those are both um, like the individual effort and individual um, just specialness of that goal. It it harkens back to some of our best um, players just taking the team on their backs, you know, just driving and, and making things happen. And we just haven't seen enough of that outside of a bombing, really. Um, and even he's been kind of AWOL. So there just hasn't been a ton of that. Uh, Sokka's definitely trying to create stuff. And he has made some things happen. But I think it's the refreshing thing is to see goals coming from more places and to just to see the individual individual effort um, has just been amplified in recent recent games. So it's nice to see guys feel confident to try stuff because there was just, when you have no creativity or just like waiting for somebody else to pass you the ball or set you up with the ball. Um, there was nobody making runs and there certainly wasn't people that are, were willing to take guys on one-on-one like that. We saw Pepe try to do it regularly. He's always trying to take guys on on his own. But for the amount of times it actually comes off, I think it's has been um, a losing proposition more often than not. He tends to play better when people set him up and get him into the positions that he needs to be in to score. Um, so seeing a guy like Tierney, who kind of just came out of nowhere with this, I, I, I have... N- don't really expect him to score a whole lot. I expect him to really be setting other guys up, but I think that expectation kind of allowed him to cut in and take a shot on goal because I think people um, looking at tape would say, okay, he's going to drive to the drive to the end line and try to get a cross in or, you know, work, work to the, um, the outside and, and wait for help. Um, but it, this was a different dimension to his game. And I, I love, love it. Like, I hope that, he feels a confidence boost from that and continues to create, whether that be setting other people up or going in on his own. I think that that should be something in his toolbox that he reaches for again. I mean, plus it gave us a lot of, both of us, a lot of points on fantasy, so I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that you, you brought up a great point, which is that going back to the uh, Emery era, we both were wondering where goals were going to come from if Obama Yang stopped scoring. And it was something that's always been a concern. And, you know, the season Obama Yang stopped scoring and for several games it had been, well, nowhere. 
But uh, I think finally we're seeing the answer to that, which is that these these players, Tierney, Saka, Smith Rowe, are 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 picking up this mantle, and if not scoring goals, creating the 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 positions for other players to to score goals. So that's that's something that I'm very excited about. Yeah, I I just want to see um, the chemistry continue to develop with this team and. It's it's just it's fun to watch this all develop in real time. I, exactly. the, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say I, I I'm excited to see what this does for Arteta's confidence as well. I think that's that's another aspect to this is that as these guys are showing him that um, they have these skills available, I hope that it allows you know makes him feel like he can take these risks and be rewarded. Yeah, and you and you you talk about the chemistry. I think it is telling that these players were the players that played when you're talking about Saka and you're talking about Smith Rowe and Martinelli. They played in the youth team together, so they already know each other really well. And to see them do it on a bigger stage is exciting for me because I, I really do feel it can only go up. And if you have players like Lacazette and Tyranny buying into this chemistry that these players have brought from the reserves. It, it, it's an exciting prospect. Yeah, and and this is a team that it you know, like we said, it doesn't have Gabrielle in it. It doesn't hasn't had party in it. So there are individuals that can add another level of talent that we haven't even seen. Would you say we're waiting for a party to happen? Yeah, let's. We're waiting for the party to start. <laughs> but like, it's kind of similar to the way that Marie was kind of. Um, we didn't really know what he could bring because he had kind of had injuries and wasn't in the lineup. And now that we've gotten a string of games with him, it's it's nice to see that come to fruition. And I'm I'm still kind of waiting for that with Party. I think we've seen um, little glimpses of what he can bring, but I'm curious. You know, <clears throat> the Sabios and Jaka um, kind of sitting in behind that. Uh, youthful band of three has really a lot has shielded the center backs. Well, um, has allowed for better distribution, um, from Shaka has allowed for, you know, I think Ceballos had seven interceptions or something like he was looking his, at, closer to his best as well. Um, so the way that they are setting up now is, is benefiting everybody. And um, I, I think that when we saw Party come in, he was somebody that made the people around him better. So getting him settled with a good partner in that position where he's able to push up and, and distribute and shut guys down, like getting him at his best as quickly as possible, this team is, is we have another gear, we have another level that we can get to once we get... Um, our best guys on the field again. And and we don't even have our best Aubameyang available. I mean, he's he's there, he's trying, but I think he's he's got another um he he has to find a way to get past this gold drought. I think he's trying so hard. You saw it at the end of this game. He was just trying to make something happen, and the harder he tries, the harder it seems to be. But once that happens, the like how you can't stop a team that has that many people that can score you know i think we've um 
when it's just Aubameyang, you can shut this team down. Clearly, like this, there's no. It's not hard when Aubameyang's not scoring, and it's not hard when you c- you can focus all your defense on shutting down a single player, and all of a sudden Arsenal can't score against you. Um, but now we're getting to the point where how do you how do you stop Saka? How do you stop um, Lacazette? How do you stop Tierney or Aubameyang? You know, it's like you, you can't. There's not enough defenders to make that happen. And the the nice part, the really great part about this game is that. They played with their entire team behind the ball most of the time, and they didn't look. Uh, Arsenal didn't look like they had any trouble with that. They actually were able to break down that team fairly easily, and I, I don't want to put too much um, onto a team that's clearly having a hard time winning. But uh, you know, Arsenal has struggled against pretty bad teams that that play that sort of defense. So. Um, it was nice to see them really dismantle the team for once. Yeah, and, and you can always say that, yeah, it is a West Brom team that has allowed four goals in, what, five out of the last six games. It's not quite that. I think it was a 3-0 to the Leeds. But they did also keep uh, Liverpool to a 1-1. And so, and, you know, you can never discount Sam Allardyce's teams. Uh so, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the the positivity, the fact that these teams are now going to have to take into account these other players, including Lacazette finding his feet again, means that it opens things up for Obama Yang that when he finally starts finding his uh, his goal goal scoring boots again, it's going to be very dangerous. I think I'm 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 still holding out for Obama Yang finding his form again, but if he doesn't, we also have Martinelli that's more than capable of filling his shoes. And I think that type of competition only makes it for for better players. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see more of Martinelli. I, I think the more games we can get him, the better. And it, I, I don't know as far as what Aubameyang needs, if, if the, um, the belief, if the... I, I got to think that like the other people playing around him better it's sure to benefit him eventually once he gets kind of out of his own way. I mean, he's getting decent looks. Um, I think early on Saka had a, a cross that he, Aubameyang was inches away from getting on the end of, and it's just, he's, he's right there. And I think as, as the players around him are playing better, he is sure to benefit from that, but it just seems like he's um, just not, quite over that hump but i i think he's he's a game or two away from getting there we'll see though hey, these these goal gold droughts tend to stick a lot stick around longer than we need them to <laughs> well with all this positivity tim uh has a, a a good question which is is mikhail safe as a coach yet i think so i i it's hard to say that we've changed anything um, majorly as far as formation, um, tactics, or anything like that. I, I think like the the personnel uh, is is the big difference right now. Um, but what Arteta is trying to do, um, it seems like it's just finally coming coming together with with the right people in the right places. 
there's a quote after after the match that um, I wanted to reference here, and he said, uh, "This is as close as it gets to what we want. This is an Arsenal team with the idea I want." There were certain moments when we were very close to that. The players had the handbrake off, and you can see that they are free to play. So it's inc- to hear him say that is really encouraging to me because I think that as we're getting excited about what we're seeing and what the um, team is is doing on the field, um, to hear that it aligns with what Arteta wants this team to be is really encouraging. And I think that um, he's got to feel confident in in what the team is is able to do and that things are maybe starting to click um but i think you know that quote that quote alludes to that we're not quite there yet and we've we've got we've got some work to do and i don't know if that's a matter of getting more quality in like maybe he feels like we've we're a piece or two away or if it's just a matter of um continuing to build on this this uh, run of games and develop our strategy a bit more and being able to do this week in and week out i think that's the next goal is is to just have consistency so i'm i'm encouraged by what i've seen i'm encouraged by what arteta has been trying to do and i'm i'm really just super happy that it's starting to click and and work uh what what do you think is that, is are three games enough to get him out of the hot seat well, I mean, safe and as a coach in Premier League is a very relative term. I, I don't think very many coaches are extremely safe in the Premier League. But uh, us here in this parish have always been a fairly strong Mark, uh, Arteta is safe kind of uh, feeling. And yeah, I mean, I, I really do feel this year short of getting relegated and I, I could even see an argument for keeping him even after getting relegated. But uh, short of the absolute worst happening, I think Arteta is safe this year, in my opinion. I think it's next year when we really have to see improvement that I'm going to start really judging him, whether he's right for the job or not. But for now and for the next, for the very foreseeable future, I'm... I think he's he's very safe. I also think the ownership invested in him as a long-term prospect, not a short-term fix, and I think they're willing to give him time. So I don't I didn't see a lot of talk even when we were in the worst part of the the last month of uh, not having faith or confidence in him. And I think it would take a lot for him to 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 uh, lose his job this far forward. So I think it's something to revisit in probably a year from now. Then it will be a an interesting question again. Do you think that, um, or I guess, what's what do you think the realistic expectation should be for him this year, as far as where he can take take this team this season? Yeah. I think the way it's gone, and you always have to reassess your goals as you're going along, that you shoot for goals. And I think our goal at the beginning of the season for both of us was to make Champions League and at least Europa. And I think best case scenario is Europa, but at least fighting for Europa spots, I think would be a minimum goal uh, at this point, reassessing that I think it is possible. I mean, what are we? We are six points out of uh, Champions League spots right now. Yes. That being Tot- said, Tottenham six points ahead right now. 
that being said, there's a lot of teams in between. And so that's kind of a, a lying figure if that, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, I think being looking ahead as opposed to looking behind is a realistic goal. And if we can throughout the rest of this year, be looking ahead as opposed to looking behind, I think that's a successful end to the season for Arteta. Yeah, I got to think we got to at least match our eighth place finish. Um, and I think that's very achievable. Um, I, Europa League would be nice, but I think, again, like this um, Europa League's not where we want to be, and it's kind of a distraction from where we want to be. I think, like, if you can make a good run at Europa League and find a, a back a back way into the Champions League, then that's great. But um, I don't know. I feel like I go back and forth whether we're better served having fewer games or if that actually helps us, like with player development and, um, you know, kind of having a an interest. <laughs> well, I I think that ultimately the fatigue probably hurts us overall when you're talking about just pure Premier League. Um, uh, finishes. I think Europa League is a distraction from that. But um, if your if your goal is purely to do a top four finish in the Premier League, then you should probably try to avoid Europa League. If you are just trying to get into Champions League, then then any whether it's FA Cup or any of these other tournaments as ways to continue that to push for that goal. I think that you should take every, every chance you can to get there. Well, I think also the other thing about Europa league is that it helps with player recruitment, which is something I don't think a lot of people are very England or uh, premier league focused really think about, which is that playing in Europe is actually a big deal for a lot of players, even if it is the Europa league, because it, it allows them to showcase for their national teams, which is another side of what players are trying to get to where so if you're playing on even on the thursday for europa league you are getting your name called out and your national team coach to look at you and so i think it will make it it does make it easier to recruit players onto uh arsenal it certainly allows us to have like a more quality team over like top to bottom by having more minutes to go around so I think that's that's a that's a good thing, yeah, in terms of recruitment and just de- player development. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will do a couple more of your questions, talk a little bit about the upcoming games, and talk about. Uh, a fantastic week of fantasy football or fantasy <laughs> soccer for me. <laughs> so come right back. We'll hear all about that after the break. All right. Welcome back from the break. We've got a couple questions from you guys, so let's delve into those. Um, from Joe Robinson, we've got one here. Uh, what do we do about uh, Eddie and Kedia now that the offers seem to be coming in? Um, do we cash in now and promote uh, Balagun as uh, 
excuse me, to position of youth striker who is pushing for the first team. Um, and all while considering that Lacazette is likely to go in the summer. I don't want anyone to leave, but that is heart overhead. So what, I guess the, the, the questions in there is, uh, do we cash in on Eddie and Kedia and, and try to resign Balogun? I think that it's an interesting question. I think if things were normal, I would say yes, without a doubt, kind of in the same way I was in the, uh, uh, sell Martinez, uh, keep, uh, uh, Leno camp, mm -hmm. which is that I am all about selling talent when it's hot. Cause we need the money right now. Right. And, you know, as you said, earlier in the, the podcast, I'm all, or we're all about promoting youth and getting selling while things are hot as opposed to when Enkedia is no longer hot. And mm -hmm. To be extremely just, you know, head over heart. I, it's not like Enkedia has been lighting fires while playing first team minutes for uh, Arsenal. So he hasn't really been cracking the, the lineup at all. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't even come in as a sub. So, so I think that, the the one quick answer would be yes offhand the one thing to keep in mind right now is that the transfer window is weird that not only is covid affecting things and that there's not a lot of money floating around but with brexit happening having young english talent is at a premium and it may mm -hmm. be hard to actually replace a player like inkedia when it's when not all of Europe is, or the rest, not all the rest of the world even, is open to being signed. And so it might be a good thing in which it probably is pushing up the price of Enkedia because he is an English talent with work permit and can play in England, but it may be difficult to replace him. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think you got to find more minutes for him somewhere I, I don't i don't like seeing him kind of being squandered on the bench but like you said he hasn't exactly lit things up when he has had opportunities so something's got to give um i think if there's play, uh, teams that are sniffing around him and you feel like um you don't have a long-term plan for him i think that you have to seriously consider take taking the money you can get for him now um, because the longer you squander him on the bench, the, the lower that value drops. Um, the Balagun situation certainly needs some resolution because I think Enkedia sits above him in the pecking order, but he certainly has some talent that he has shown in, in his minimal um, minutes that he's gotten in Europa League. And um, I think he, he deserves some more minutes, and if, if Arsenal can get him an, Resigned. I, I would love to see him stick around, and it's really difficult to gauge right now what life life after Lacazette actually looks like. I think they're going to have to go out and get somebody to replace Lacazette, because um, I think there's going to be a, a, a gaping hole in the lineup when when he goes. And like I said, I don't think you resign him. If not, if you do, you keep him maybe a year. But I think you you try to get money money for him in this off season um and reinvest and go a bit younger and maybe find somebody that's 
not quite at the Enkedia level, but you know, not not over the hill either. So I I, I think there's some retooling that's going to have to happen, especially depending on what what happens with the Bamiyang. and uh, that that position. You got to have somebody that plays the way that Arteta wants. So I think giving him um, an opportunity to go find the the style of player that he needs is is a good thing. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I think Arteta has has liked what Enkedia brings, but it just hasn't really shown shown up lately. So if somebody comes sniffing around, I think. You sell him, give Balogun a new contract, keep him around, and and um, go back to the drawing board when Lacazette gets moved on. Exactly. I mean, I I just do think if we get the the right money, and the the money I think I've been seeing is about twenty five million pounds. Uh, that's and I think that, that's yeah, good. <laughs> I I I I have a hard time saying no to that, especially if we're trying to reinvest in other parts of the pitch. It might be a short-term solution, but, you know, at the end of the day, we do, I think, need the money more than we need Enkedia's services. Well, I, you know, with the FA Cup game coming up this weekend, I let's see if, if, if Enkedia gets a chance. I would like to see him get some more minutes because, like I said, you're not you're not seeing his best right now, and I I'm, and strikers just need time on the field. I think you can't you can't develop a rhythm, you can't really develop confidence unless you're playing. So uh, he needs he needs to get minutes somewhere. If they're not going to be able to find the minutes for him, either loan him out or sell him because it, it's it's a he's a depreciating asset if you're just letting him uh, sit on the bench and not playing. Exactly, him. and I know we brought him back from loan when we were in a little bit of dire straits and i think putting him out on loan again isn't the answer i i really i think at this point we you know as we've been talking about we need to cash in on some of these players and he's a perfect player i think to cash in on well speaking of loaned players that leads right into our next question here from jonathan king monilis um does Torreira fit in the side now that we seem to have shifted to a more traditional formation? Um, and do we want to see him with party? I think that's, um, that Torreira situation is kind of weird, yeah. isn't it? Like he's gone to uh, Atletico and just kind of not played. Well, and he has an option to buy for Madrid or for Atletico. And yeah, I, I haven't heard too much on his front to be honest. And it's a it's a wider question of who do we put next to party if we assume that party is going to be the 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 starting midfielder, and we've seen uh, El Neni take a lot of those minutes, but then in his absence, we've seen or in party's absence, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, Jaka, and they've both done admirably. Do do you think uh, Tierra? Uh, not Thierry, Toria has a a, a spot. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if the formation change really helps his case. I don't know that Arteta really rates him. That, that was kind of my impression was that he's got a skill set that's admirable, but not for this team, but we couldn't really find anybody to outright buy him. So we had to loan him out. Um, 
I I would have said the same thing about El Neni though too. So you, stranger things can happen. I, I would be curious to see where what our situation is at the end of this season. Um, but it's another one of those things where like he's a depreciating asset if he's just sitting on someone else's bench. Uh, it's nice that they're t- taken up on his uh, salary and stuff like that. But I think we need to um, move him on if we don't plan on using him and try to reinvest that money into somebody that fits what Arteta wants to do better. Uh, I don't, I don't dislike Torreira. I think he he has some great skills. I think he he does what he does really well. But I I. I have a hard time seeing him next to party in my mind. I think they're, um, I, I don't, I, I actually don't know what the, the optimum, um, partner for party is at the moment, whether that's somebody on this team or whether we need to go out and find somebody. But I think a lot of that has to do with, I haven't seen enough of party to really gauge that yet. And especially now that we've got, um, this kind of new look with the younger players, um, I, I want to see party come back and, and reassess at that point. And I'm sure that that would be the same for the coaching staff. Like <laughs> we kind of got to see how this all fits together before we make any long-term decisions on um, how that mid- midfield is going to look and where we need to invest there. Um, I'm going to throw this little spanner in the work, which is I watch a fair amount of Bundesliga and one of the teams I've watched a couple games with is uh, union Berlin or not union Berlin, which I have, but I uh, uh, heard of Berlin. And I've so I've seen a fair amount of Guendouzi play for uh, Herta, and he's actually mm-hmm. looked fairly good. He just scored last weekend, I believe, and he uh, has locked down that position there midfield. Could you see a way back for Guendouzi to play with Party? Well, I think you know if if there was if the issue with Ozil was an attitude thing. And the issue is similar to what Genduzi went through. You know, if, if it's both like attitude and they just needed to uh, clear the decks to, to make sure Arteta was able to kind of have control over the, um, the clubhouse a little bit. Um, you know, if he's able to come back and set some of those things aside that, that, that baggage that he carried, um, I say bring him back in because I think clearly he has talent and um, if he can f- find a way to hone that confidence and that um, brashness that he has, if, if, Arte- if Arteta is able to mold that into what he needs um, Genduzi to do, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. I think that that's, you, you don't let that, that talent get away from you. Unless somebody's willing to pay big money, I don't know if um, Hertha Berlin is is in the market to spend big money on a young player like Genduzi. But if they put the money up, maybe you take it and, and reinvest in somebody who is really not going to be a disruption in the clubhouse and um, it has similar attributes. But if you're looking at the uh, the landscape of who's available and and you're not seeing somebody better. I think you got to try to figure out how to make it fit and and bring Gunduzi back. The difference between him and Ozil maybe that Ozil's like 
kind of past the point where it's worth putting the effort into. So I think that's his attitude and what he comes back and with and how he how hard he wants to work for Arsenal could make all the difference in his um his career. I or maybe he decides that it's just not worth the fight and he goes and finds another team. But I I, I think Arsenal have to deal with that delicately and, and look at look at him as an asset that can be cashed in on or um redeveloped into the Arsenal team. Yeah, I mean, the the interesting thing about Gunduzi is that we do have him for three more years, if I remember correctly, on his contract. So it's not a a, a short-term wait out. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if uh, Herda has the money right now. They just got bought out, so they may, or not just, like last year got bought out by a fairly big, uh, rich company. So they might be able to afford to 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 buy him out and that would be awesome. I think that would be a a a win-win situation. But with the way he's playing, I would not necessarily hate to see him back on the field. I just would hope that he comes in with a a better attitude coming in and maybe playing a couple or a season in Germany and realizing that uh he wasn't necessarily central to Arsenal's plan may humble him. Yeah, I think you you have to. Um, I think you you have to go out and and say to him, you can you can be on this team, but you have to fight and you have to show us that you can have a good attitude. I think it you you lay out what you want that, what the conditions are, when you bring him back, and see if he steps up. And if he doesn't, then you shop him. You got time. And I also wonder how much his attitude will change. And th- and this is complete hearsay, I don't know, but how much his attitude will change without Azul in the club as well, if that will be make a little bit of an effect on how he, he deals with the club. Yeah, I'm curious to see if, if, if it's an age thing or if that's just part of who he is. That, that's to be seen. But, uh, you know, he's got talent, so I don't think we can just toss him aside. We have to weigh that carefully and wait for either the right opportunity to come for him on the team or see if somebody comes knocking that's willing to pay a price that makes sense. But uh, they they can't toss toss him aside and let him um, sit on the bench. You know, I think that's that would be the worst thing for him. They've got to find a way to put him to good use. Yeah, and I think he's a player that is... Uh, that feature is going to be decided not uh, decided not in this transfer window, but uh, the next one after the season's over. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as Torreira goes, I think he's got a long way to to go to get back into Arsenal. Because I don't, I don't, I would rate Ganduzi higher than him in my mind. Yeah, I think I, I think so too. I, I I do have to admit I don't watch a lot of Spanish soccer, so I don't know how he's exactly doing. He's not really getting the starts. I believe so it's it's hard to say well like i said the it, i think the the way the party situation plays out is is going to be um kind of the deciding factor and who who slots in next to him in the short term and the long term so we'll see how that how that goes when he gets back into full health which sounds like could possibly happen before 
you know, he could be back in, in the lineup, at least coming off the bench um, for the next game, which is this weekend against Newcastle in the third round of the FA Cup uh, in our title defense. <laughs> uh, I'm not super worried about Newcastle. I think that the way that this team's been playing, Newcastle should be no problem. But Newcastle's had, had some, um, you know, there's, they might, they might turn things around. Uh, they've been a little up and down, but um, I'm looking at their form right now. Yeah, I mean it's it's not great, but the, I think that they um, they won't be pushovers necessarily. I mean Newcastle is a functional team. It's a the the uh, classic example of a mid table team. They're and under Steve Bruce, they're. Steve Bruce team. If you follow the Premier League, you know exactly what Steve Bruce brings to the table, and you know exactly how that team's going to perform. To be honest, really, with the uh, the budget they've been given from their uh, their owner, they've actually overperformed, in my opinion. Uh, that being said, I do think it should be a game we can win. I also, and this may be blasphemy, and please forgive me if. It is blasphemy, but I'm I don't care too much about this game, to be honest. I'd I'm I'm much more focused on the Premier League and a, a run in Europa League than I am in the FA Cup this year. I think it's because we've won it twice in recent memory, including last year. I think uh yeah, it's a it's a way into Europe Europe, but I don't know. I think I'd rather steady our form in the Premier League and maybe try out playing some younger players than to put it all into this game. Yeah, I I think because, um, you know, they play again on Thursday against Crystal Palace. So I do expect to see some rotation. Um, but I, I, it doesn't strike me that Arteta sees any competition as beneath this team. I think he sees it as every... Every game is a chance to develop these players, develop their strategies and go out and see what they can do. So I don't think Arteta plans on holding back or, or um, doing anything to lessen this game. And I think it, as a, you know, you're, you're talking about playing um, the same team nine days later. So I think it's a good, good chance to see what they bring and, and kind of preview what's going to happen in the Premier League. So I think there's opportunities here to rotate but i don't think he's gonna put out a, dim, a a very diminished squad yeah i mean i think it, we're gonna see very similar squad to what we saw in the europa league group stages to be honest with this team mm. mm-hmm. uh, i think a mix of uh youth and uh experience i think it'd be great for a party to get a run out just because it would at some point because it would give them a few minutes before playing in the premier league I would expect Martinelli actually to play just because he didn't play in the last game, so it'll stretch his leg. And I wouldn't actually be surprised to see Aubameyang in the uh, starting lineup just to maybe hopefully get him a goal, you know? Yeah, I'm kind of thinking the same thing. Maybe play Aubameyang up top, uh, Martinelli out left. Um, I don't know if you... We still do have Reese Nelson. We still have Pepe. I think maybe one of those guys gets a, a, a shot at the right side. Um, just to give Saka a rest. 
Not that he necessarily needs it, but, you know, just give some other guys some minutes. Um, yeah, I don't know what the, it, it, who you put in in the Emile Smith ro- ro- role, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he, he's, he doesn't have a, too much wear and tear on him this year, so he could probably keep playing, but I, I, we don't have a ton of people that can do what he does at the moment, so um, maybe you hold him back for a Premier League game on Thursday. What do you do in the defense? That's going to be, I think, a, a pretty interesting question. Do you have, I, I would say Luis starts, maybe? Yeah, I would say give give Luis some minutes. Um, I'm not sure of Gabriel's status at the moment. I'm not sure he's fully recovered, but I would imagine he's going to have to come back in slowly. Um, so maybe Marie gets more more time back there because do, it does seem that Arteta wants to have a left-footed player um, in that position. So, yeah, I, I think Marie gets more time there. And I, maybe you see um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles get some, get some more time um, as a right back. Or, um, yeah, I don't, maybe Cedric comes in. I forgot about Cedric. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's still here. Uh, the left, I mean, tyr- uh, tyranny forever. I mean, I don't know who you put on the left. <laughs> I just don't want too many miles in tyranny. <laughs> yeah, he seems like he could run forever, but I just don't want to risk him if yeah, we don't need to. I, I, I don't really, I, if you can rest him for these types of games, I would just because I would. For me right now, he's one of our most important players in, in the more miles. Who that that begs the question, like who is the the backup to Tierney now? Because Kalasinat's gone. <laughs> uh that I'm yeah, that's a scary question, actually. I mean, I guess I guess Ainsley Maitland Niles could slot in there. Yeah, I mean, I know he hates playing that. Maybe he just maybe we just throw Sokka back there. <laughs> but then we're trying to give Sokka a rest, so eh, he can play forever. <laughs> Whether it's Sokka or Tierney, somebody's gonna have to play forever. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I, I I maybe that's a position of need now. I don't know who your backup left back is. Yeah. I'm quickly trying to go through the names and I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure so maybe that's somebody they go try and fill sure you know in the, in the transfer forgetting window. about right now yeah maybe there's somebody I, I've totally spaced on I'm not, but I'm, not uh, it. I'm looking up the player list right now I don't yeah I don't know that's interesting hmm Okay, well, I guess we'll we'll see. It's probably just going to be tyranny because we don't have anybody else. <laughs> uh, but then, do you, but do uh, we uh, keep uh, Leno in, or do we do uh, 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 Runarsson? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about Runarsson. If they were, I I, I kind of think they're going to go back to the drawing board on the whole goalkeeping situation, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know. I- like in this window. So I, don't I think know. it's a little harsh to judge a player on one game. Cause he actually has looked fairly steady. The other games he's played, to be honest, like in Europa, 
he's been fine, but at, at no point did I was like, oh, this is a, this is the Arsenal goalkeeper of the future. You know, I kind of want to have a guy that I feel like could step up and be that guy. At some I mean, point. to be fair, that we were saying that about uh, Martinez until very recently, uh, and I think I think it's harsh to judge a goalkeeper on one game. I think it's very harsh, especially because it's it was his first game against that type of competition ever. Sure. And to like go from playing in France to going to starting against Man City is is quite a jump. And I think a lot of people would struggle. And if it was a defender, we'd say, all right, cool, we'll give him a couple other chances. But because it's keeper, we tend to judge him quicker and harsher. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing him again. And I think it would be good for his confidence to see him again against uh, a Newcastle where it might be a little easier on him than a Man City. So I wouldn't hate to see him one more time in a game like this. Yeah, I it wouldn't surprise me, but we'll see, we'll see if they're willing to, to take a chance. Um, or how seriously they really want to take the at the FA Cup, it might be, it, it might be that Leno gets a, another run out. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, again, as we're talking about, like for me, the the league is much more important than anything else. And if we're worried, if we're that worried about Lunarsen, this is exactly the game he needs to play because it's one less chance for mm-hmm. uh, for Leno to get injured. Mm-hmm. So if we're uh, to be honest, if we're that worried about Runers and this is he needs to start this game. Yeah, I mean we know that Leno is not uh, um, impervious to to injury, so at some point we have to take a risk on on the backup just to have have him with get some experience. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Uh, we do have another game coming up and we'll, we'll probably have, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have a podcast between now and then, but um, you know, looking ahead to our next premier league game, we do have crystal palace around the corner on next uh, Thursday, the 14th. So um, there's a kind of a quick turnaround there. Cause we're going to do so Newcastle this weekend, crystal palace on Thursday, and then Newcastle again, the following Monday. So, you know, three games in pretty quick succession here. Uh, but I, you know, I I kind of feel pretty. I don't kind of feel. I feel pretty confident yeah. that uh, you know Newcastle twice. We're gonna probably beat them twice. Crystal Palace. I'm a little. Uh, I'm not quite as sure about them, but uh, I think they are also um, pretty beatable. <laughs> you know, they're they're not too far away from us in the table, so I, I think it's going to be um a challenge but it'll be a good um a good indicator of where arsenal are at right now yeah and i i'm i'm not going to be as uh confident as you are as far as getting two wins out of those both those newcastle games as i say newcastle's a very serviceable team and i don't want to get too high on our uh, three wins in a row but uh they're definitely achievable and there's definitely points to be had with these Three games, obviously, with the uh, cup game, it's not about points <laughs> necessarily, right? But I think both those teams are beatable. I think uh, Palace. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk more about them, but you know, over this last weekend, 
they had a good win with a uh, the a goal scored from a a new striker. I'm forgetting his name right now, but he uh, he looked uh, pretty handy. So, and you know, Zaha is always a a, a threat, and he probably should be playing for us instead of Pepe. But that's a whole nother uh, <laughs> discussion to have. Uh, so yeah, but I'm I'm looking forward. I'm you know, as we said at the start. It's actually nice to be excited about watching a game. I'm actually super excited about watching the game this weekend. Absolutely. Well, let's not forget my the thing I've actually been looking forward to the most <laughs> in this whole episode. Uh, run us through the the fantasy update, Tim. Well, I, I'm very impressed with you, Caleb. You got a whopping 84 points <laughs> this week. I don't know what I did. I really actually, I kind of know what you did, which is you captain De Bruyne, which, which is never a bad idea. I don't have, I have my vice captaincy on De Bruyne and I should probably move him to captain, but yeah, that definitely, uh, definitely helped you out there. Um, I think keeping tyranny in definitely helped you out. And yeah, so you, I'm very impressed. I think that's the highest total you've had. Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> not, by a, by a long shot, it, it catapulted you up. So you're third from bottom, I believe. I yeah, I am currently in twelfth place. So you know, not the worst. Unfortunately, the one thing we can't say is that you didn't get highest point total for the week. No. Which Joe Robinson got a ninety-one points this week. Ninety. And good on him for doing that. He also benefited from from Tierney's goal. Yeah, I think a lot of like if a lot of us are probably running at least one Arsenal player, and if you're running at least one Arsenal player, he's the only one to run. I also want to give a shout out to his team name, which I love, which is the uh, Tierney Tesco bags. I will have to put an asterisk by his points total. Which is he yeah. is running the Sun Kane duo, which I do understand is how one gets a lot of points because that duo has been generating a lot of points in fantasy. But I think we can all do better. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we can rise above this. Uh, the people that are in the top five, I think all of them have at least been running the Sun Kane duo or one of the two at some point. So I guess. There are compromises to be made. I'm just going to put an asterisk by any of this. <laughs> and Omkar is still there. I got a uh, 60. What was it? Mine was a six. I should actually look at my running order. 67 points, which is far less than you did. Um, I did not captain De Bruyne. Um, and then I think I'm going to have a horrible total because I made a a transfer and move some players around without realizing that uh, Southampton is not playing a game next week. Oh, which interesting. Really is messy. And I, in the way that we actually had two game weeks in between the last time, because all the games are coming thick and fast. And because of the cancellations with, uh, who was, it was Fulham versus, uh, who is it? Oh, is it Fulham versus a uh, city? I, we both lost points on that week because of the point total. So I have a feeling my next week is not going to be great. So you have a chance to to jump me in the table. You are only 30 points behind me, give or take. Or no, you're about 50 points. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong total. But still, 
you're closing in on this fantasy league between the two of us. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I say this every week. <laughs> I, it's, it's a crapshoot. I'm rolling the. Well, dice. those 84 points show that you're doing something right. <laughs> I think it's the luck of the draw. <laughs> no, there's, there is some skill because you will see the the top tends to stay at the top. So, it's climbing that's difficult. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that should do it for us this week. Let's uh, thank a few people. Um, First off, let's thank you for listening. You've been great. Thanks for joining us. Come back again next time. And if you want to make it super easy on yourself to join us every week, go subscribe. Super easy. Click a button. We come to you. So you don't even have to touch anything. It just shows up on your phone or your computer wherever you listen to your podcasts will just be there so that's step one if you haven't subscribed go do that step two if you have subscribed you like what you're hearing go leave a review you know write down the things that you like about us send it out into the internet let other people know and then they in turn subscribe and you know this is a circle of podcasts or something um and then if if you've if you've subscribed if you've reviewed us send us a question interact with us you know send a question to our email address which is westofnorthlondon at gmail.com or you can send us a question at our twitter which is at w of n london and if you don't even send us a question you can just follow us and see what i say or you know don't (laughs) <laughs> you can just block us I would like to say, but give us a follow I would like to say you're a good follow on uh, on Get Match Day if you want someone to interact with I, I enjoy reading the tweets I think my best stuff is actually in Twitter don't listen to me don't listen to me on this podcast just go read the Twitter <laughs> that's where my best stuff comes out um, so yeah go do that and uh, let's see if you like what you heard at the beginning of the episode that was Bobcat. They wrote a great theme song for us. And you can go check out all their music at bobc.at. Go check out their album, <clears> the <throat> course to follow. It's there with all their social media stuff. So go check it out. Listen to them. Like them. Love them. Give them some, uh, some follows wherever their social media is at. Oh, gosh. I think that's it. Um... Yeah, I think we'll we'll see on the other side of this FA Cup game. Hopefully another another week and another win so we can continue to be happy podcasters from here on out. I think that's all for us. So as always, see you at the next game. Gun show. Gun show? I almost said game show, and that was not correct. <laughs> we'll get this right one day. Next gun show. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs>